all creation waits for you and trembles at your name. Surrounded on a throne of endless praise, fire and lightning flash from the story of your face. And I sing to you. You are holy. You are worthy. You are holy. You're the Lamb of God. You are holy. You are worthy. You are holy. You're the Lamb of God. How do I dare approach this Holy One, the One who was and is, was and is to come? Robed in righteousness and mystery, we have only just begun, just begun to see. I come broken through the blood of your son, and I kneel before you. You are holy, you are worthy, you are holy, you're the Lamb of God. You are the Lamb of God. Blessing and honor and glory and power to Him who sits on the throne. Blessing and honor and glory and power forever to
encourage you to take your study guide and uh, your Bible this evening and turn over to 1 Corinthians. We're still in chapter, the beginning of chapter 12. Let me read these first seven verses to you. This is the second part of God's spiritual gifts to his children. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So Again, we're now turning our attention to another major problem in the church, that God had given them spiritual gifts. They were participating in these gifts that God had graciously granted to them, but they were misusing them. And there was a problem in the church, and now Paul is, is reteaching. It's not something I believe that he taught for the first time, because they were experiencing these wonderful gifts, and now he's having to re-instruct, and he's having to correct them, because they're not doing what God intended for these gifts to do, and they were not edifying one another with them. Uh, they were literally tearing each other apart uh, in some type of spiritual competition with one another, on who had the most spiritual gift or the best gift, or, or they were flaunting their gifts, and this is a major problem. It's a, another part of the long list of ongoing sins in this church. So there were arguments, and there were debates, and there was strife and division over the spiritual gifts that God had given them. And these gifts were given so that the saints would be equipped for ministry. But instead of using these gifts for ministry, they were arguing over these gifts. They were fighting over the gifts. They wanted to find out who had or which gift was most essential or which gift was vital or needful or honorable. And so you can imagine the contention that was taking place. You know, we were asked, the leadership was asked to speak to the Awana children on Wednesday night. Uh, the uh, deacons and the elders, and, and I made it a point to let all those children know that all of us have been gifted with a gift, and no one is more important to God than the other. Some are more visible than others, some are less visible, but God has given each one of those gifts, as He has determined, for His glory and the blessing of others, and so we should be thankful with the gift that we have and that we should use it to the fullest of um, our trust in the Lord as He empowers us. And so just because somebody's called pastor or deacon, it doesn't mean that God loves them any more than someone that has the gift of mercy or someone that you never see, but uh, we, we brought to their attention that, that the church is cleaned. How, it's clean. It, you walk through it and, and there's no trash. What happens? How does that happen? Uh, you walk into the bathroom, they're not all messed up. I mean, what, the grass is cut. How? Well, it takes the whole church to be the church. 
And, and every one of us is a part of a, of a body, the body of Christ. And, we, and I asked them, could you, do, could you do away with your pinky? What about your thumb or your ear or your eye? No, we're, we're all important. We all interdepend on one another. And that is just the very opposite of what this Corinthian church was doing. And if we're not careful, we can allow those things into our lives as well. So let's look at what Paul, I believe, again, was reminding the church and what he's teaching us tonight and maybe reminding some of us as well. In verse 4, I think we see that the Holy Spirit gives the gifts. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. So this is a gift from the Holy Spirit of God. The variety of these gifts fall into two general categories. I think you can see the, the speaking gifts and a list of those we'll be covering. We won't be going into detail tonight. tonight. We'll do that later. The speaking gifts and the serving gifts. And they all have been given by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see that the Jesus the Lord was involved and also God the Father as we begin to open up uh, this truth that God has given us to study this evening in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> so these gifts are not something that you can humanly work up. This is something outside. This is a grace of God. that You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it uh, because you were a better Christian than somebody else. Uh, no, that God didn't give them based on anything about you. Matter of fact, he gave them in spite of who we are. God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. So we didn't deserve salvation. We don't deserve sanctification. We don't deserve spiritual gifts, but these have just been lavished upon us. And yet they were wanting to fight and bicker and complain over these great blessings of the Lord. So they can't be earned. They're not deserved. Therefore, because of that, all of our feelings of self-importance should just fall away. There's no reason for any of us to be proud or arrogant about our gift because we had nothing to do with it. Now, you can take it and trust the Lord and be obedient in it, and God can continue to refine it as you continue to become more like Jesus Christ. But then again, you can't do that either. That is the grace of God and the power of God that resides within us by the Holy Spirit. So again, we can't take any credit for any of this. And yet the Corinthians were doing that. And many in churches all over the world are doing just that. What do they need to do? They should have confessed it as sin. They should have re repented and turned back to the Lord. But God is the one who has distributed these gifts as He has willed the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit determined, He has passed these out. He has gifted these to the church, to the believers. So He alone is the one who knows best. And He's given you the, the gift that He wants you to have. And there's no arguing about it. If you are jealous and you want somebody else's gift, stay out of that lane. That's not what God intended for you. Find your gift and begin to develop it and trust the Lord with it and find opportunities and reasons to use it in service to the Lord and to others. And, and God will bless you. And, and, and as you do that, you'll see others' gifts and you're not going to be jealous of those gifts. You should be thankful for them. 
And pray for those people that have a different gift than you have. And, and pray that you would be faithful in your gift as well. Therefore, He alone knows what gifts and the graces that we need. He knows, one writer put it this way, He knows the generations and the times in which they are needed and to be given. He knows, the ra- he knows the races and the countries. He knows the minds and the emotions of the people in different churches and how that plays out. And for the conversion and the, and the growth of people who will receive these gifts. So it's all about God and all for His glory. And He is the source of every one of them. So what are the gifts? Well, we find these gifts mentioned in three or four places in Scripture. Some of them overlap. And again, if you can remember, they are in generally in two different types, speaking and serving gifts. Some are, have continued on. When you see the word continuing, a continuist and a, a sessionist, uh, we would be sessionist and that we don't believe all the gifts are still available today. They were used at a particular time for a particular reason and season. And yet then there are other gifts that continue on. And, and I'll explain some of that this evening. So let's look in 1 Corinthians as, as we are going to be covering these more in detail next week. But he begins to list, list these. The gift of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. And then we find in Romans uh, another viewpoint, uh, not so much a viewpoint, another angle of of these gifts Having gifts that differ according to the grace, again, we're reminded, given to us, let us use them. If prophecy and portion to our faith and service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does act of mercy with cheerfulness. So we continue to see these listings of gifts and we see the attributes that go alongside of them. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Again, we're reminded this comes from the Lord. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that what? That God supplies. All of these gifts have been given, and we can only do them in the strength of God. In order that in everything, what? God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That wasn't happening in the Corinthian church. They were self-glorifying. They were bringing the attention upon themselves. And it ends in this Great anthem, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I listed there, I believe this is, comes out of MacArthur Study Bible, and, and it really helps us kind of see that the overview, and we'll be covering this more in detail later, but this kind of lets you see where we're going and, and how we're going to get there. But he says that the speaking gifts are verbal gifts, those are, that are listed, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, teaching, and, and exhortation, you, you, you pass those along by, by speaking, by sharing 
the truth with brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then you see the serving gifts. They're, they're nonverbal, which would be leadership and helps and giving and mercy and faith and discernment. And they're called the permanent gifts. All are, uh, they're all permanent gifts that will operate throughout the whole church age. Their purpose is to edify the church and to glorify God. And I inserted this little question because this is important. As you think about each one of these gifts, and I believe every one of them are evident in our church, and every one of them were given to the Corinthian church, and I believe every one, have, every one of these are given to all churches for them to function and to flourish as God intends for them to, to, uh, to follow Him and be obedient to Him. But here's the question. Could a church properly function without them? And the answer is absolutely not. We need these gifts. We need the people who have these gifts. Can you imagine a church without someone? And the word prophecy there, that doesn't mean uh, future telling. That's just truth telling. I'm a prophet. What am I doing? I'm not giving you something new from God as, as Isaiah did. I'm giving you something that came from these prophets and yet I'm preaching the truth. I'm truth-telling. Can you imagine not having that in church? Or a church without wisdom, or people that had wisdom, or other teachers. I believe we have the finest Sunday school teachers, discipleship training teachers of any church around. My question to you is, are you in Sunday school? Are you in discipleship training? If not, why not? Why are you missing this out? These are gifts of God for your edification, and is your answer, I don't want it, I don't need it, I'm just going to skip it? And these people that have been given this gift, I mean, it's not that they just walk around and there's no work involved or preparation involved. No, that gift comes along, uh, alongside of that gift becomes, has a responsibility because people are going to benefit and be blessed by it, and we're not just throwing together some Saturday morning breakfast here, just trying to give somebody just something to eat to get them through. No, we're, we're preparing. This is from God for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Could a church, could a church exist without mercy or discernment? No, it could not. These are permanent gifts and every one of our modern churches today must have these things. He goes on to say, miracles, healings, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues were temporary gifts limited to the apostolic age and have therefore ceased. They're no longer needed. And therefore, I ask the same question. Could a church today function properly without these gifts? And what is the answer? Yes. You're attending a church that is glorifying and honoring God. And you're never going to hear somebody up here babbling nonsense with nouns and ver with, with consonants and, and, and just babbling along. Not going to happen. And we're, and we're doing just fine. We're not lacking in anything. Why? Because we have the spiritual gifts that God has given for this age and for this time and by His choice. We just left and just came back from Costa Rica. It would have been nice to be able to go down there and speak Spanish. I, I, I know a little bit, but not very much. 
it was a blessing to have Anna there and Marina there, and we had our own interpreters. But, but in the first century church, the people that spoke in tongues spoke in real language. It wasn't ha-ba-ba, swing, batter, swing, go sell them a Honda, tie my bow tie, untie my bow tie. Just foolishness is what that is. It was a real language. And as far as interpreting it, it was just somebody else that spoke that language. It wasn't some type of heavenly language. It was a real language. Other people could hear it. And what that did was it authenticated the apostles. It was a miracle. Now, I'm not saying God can't do a miracle today. It's the, the point is, He hasn't given that gift to an individual. Just like He, give, he does miracles still today. Please don't misunderstand when I talk about the gift of miracles is, is what, what Paul said, when he, when he could raise somebody from the dead, or he could speak away an illness and they were no longer sick. But we still pray for miracles today. It, it doesn't mean miracles have gone away. It means that somebody has been given this gift, just like I have the gift of teaching and preaching, and I'm doing it right now. If they had the gift of tongues, or they had the gift of miracles, or they had the gift of healings, I would just step aside, and you'd come down if you were sick, and they would completely heal you. Where is that happening today? It's not happening today. Why? Because it has stopped. It no longer has continued on. Why? Because it's not needed today in the church to have people like that. So again, could the church properly function without miracles of, of people who have mir- the, the gift of miracles or the gift of healing or the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation? The answer is yes, we're doing it. We're living proof of it. And these tongues and these miracle gifts were a blessing to the early church authenticating the apostles, authenticating God's Word, and now we have 2,000 years of church history where men and women have died for their faith and where people have lived out their faith to prove that we don't need miracles, we just need faithful Christians, that this is true, that your life is a testament of, of living for the Lord day by day, moment by moment, year after year until He takes you home. So the, the first thing that we have to see is that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts. Secondly, we see that Jesus Christ opens the door of service. He says there are a variety of, some of your versions say ministry, there's a variety of service. But again, it's, it's the same Lord, it's the Trinity. So ministry and service here probably has in mind... Uh, the different types of gifted offices. Paul's point is clear, although there are different offices, it is the same Lord that is granting these gifts of these offices offices, and directing the service of those that have the gift. And we see a clear example of that in Ephesians 4. Look there in verse 11. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Again, what for? For the, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He said those were given so that we all could grow. That God is using those gifts and, and those areas of service so that the body will become strong. That it won't atrophy. That it won't be malnourished. That no, He puts these men and these gifts in the church so that you and I can be strengthened by them. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is how the spiritual gifts are used in the church. And those that have this special type of, of gift of teaching or evangelism or shepherding um, or prophecy, and again, that's truth-telling, not foretelling. You see how important that is in the church. Could we do without them? No, we couldn't. We would still be children. We would still be babes in Christ. We would not grow as God intends for us to grow. And then in verse 6, what do we see? That God the Father makes these opportunities. And there are, verse 6, a variety of, of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So again, the source is God. The decision has been made by God. He is the one that's making all these things possible. We are just the recipients of them. We have no claim to them. We are just to use them. It's just like our money. Everything that we have has come from God. Everything, our breath, our heartbeat, the jobs that we have, the intellect that we have, we have no reason to self-glory. It's all from, for God and, and through God. And that's what he's saying about these gifts. So the money in your pocket is really not the money in your pocket. It's not even your pocket. It's God's pocket. It's God's world. He owns everything. And that's what he's saying about these gifts. And for the church, for these people in this church to make it about them, it, it's, it's, it's abominable. I mean, to steal the glory of God? You want to see God be angry? You want to see God bring punishment? Is to get in the way to steal his, the glory that only he deserves? So we see that the Holy Spirit gives the gift. We see Jesus opens these doors or makes these, these opportunities of service. And now we begin to see these activities. What does the word activity mean? It comes from a Greek word that means energy or to energize. It also could mean in context these miraculous powers. And again, that's what we, we see in the early church, that these were miraculous things. Really, all the gifts are miraculous in the sense that we can't do it in and of our strength. So all of them are miraculous in that way. Uh, when John preaches or teaches on Wednesday night, that's, that's miraculous. When, when Jim taught tonight in, in discipleship training, that's miraculous. When these are exhorting us uh, with their gifts um, uh, of exhortation through music. That's miraculous. Those of you that have the gift of mercy, when it's used correctly, that's miraculous. The gift of helps, miraculous. The gift of administration, that's all miraculous. We may not see it as that, because I think too many times it's not so much miraculous because it's done in our own strength and it kind of stinks the place up, right? But when we do it trusting in the Lord, it is a miraculous thing. And you can see it, and you can know it, and you know the difference when it's not of the Spirit, when it's done in the flesh. So this is a miraculous power 
Um, the, these activities are the, is the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, and the working of miracles. That God is the one who displays these things in his timing. And he gave those in that day the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And he did in that day give the, the power of people, individuals who could heal or individuals um, that could do miracles. I mean, all of that was needed and now it, it is not needed. But please, let's not discount. I mean, it would have been a miracle, not that I had the gift, but if all of a sudden I go down there, when I'm preaching in Costa Rica, that just something comes over me and I start speaking fluent Spanish? I mean, it would have, everybody around that knows me would think, he doesn't know Spanish. Now, those dear people would be blessed because they wouldn't have to hear through an interpreter. Now, can God still do that? God can do whatever he wants to. If God wants to heal today, he'll still heal today. We're just not going to have a service where I'm going to say, you stand up and you walk because on the authority of God and the giftedness that he's given me, I command you to be healed. That is nowhere to be found. And if that was to be found, let's take him to the, or her or whoever, to the hospital and let him just go room to room to room. Because when Jesus healed, you know what scripture says, the whole city was healed. We don't have that today. It would be nice to be able to, I'm, I'm going to have to, if I, want, if I go back to Costa Rica, between now and then, I've got a little bit of time to start studying and picking the language up. I mean, just think about all the, the Wycliffe and Associates and all those Bible translators that have worked tirelessly year after year trying to put a language, even develop a language for an indigenous group of people, go in and even take that language and put it into print and then teach them that. Where are, those, where are all these people that have the gift of tongues? Why, can't, why don't they go down there and save all these missionaries all this time? Why? Because it's not available today. And there are those that would still want to argue that it is. Well, bring them up. Let me see them. Where are they? Where are they? And you hear the horror stories. Listen to Joni um, Erickson Tata and how she was pushed aside at one of those healing tent meetings because her, her injury seemed too great for God to heal. And so what do they want? They wanted people that looked like they could psychosomatically heal, get them to think that they were okay. It's just a, it's just a shell game. God's going to punish all that one day. You can be sure of that. Justin Peters, he's another one that has gone to these places and, and proven that they're just frauds and they're, and they're hoaxes. And yet God in His mercy, He still heals today because He desires it and He will do it. It's just no longer through a person. So we see these energies of God. He displays and pours out in that day these miraculous powers. And today He does it but he doesn't need a person to do it. He needs people praying for it. We've prayed for people to be healed in our church, and we've seen them healed. Now, that healing didn't mean they were going to live forever in that body. I mean, that's the other thing. What, your, your healing powers run out? <laughs> you can heal them for this, and then you heal them for that, and then what, they, they die? Then what? I mean, let's think through these things. Let's have a little bit of discernment. 
And we see in Ephesians 2, we're reminded that all of these works, all of these spiritual gifts were in the mind of God and had been planned before the foundation of the world. That's how important they are. Look there, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift from God, not of the results of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, for good works. What works? The works are the spiritual gifts that He's given us. The works that we're to, to do as, we're, as we faithfully obey what His Word has told us. So, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, it just takes away all of our pride and all of our arrogance. And again, everything that we have has been okayed by God, has been a blessing from God, as well as these spiritual gifts. And then finally, in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation, that word manifestation means the appearing of the Spirit for the common good. So when you do your spiritual gift, then you are walking in the Spirit and you are making known the Spirit of God that resides within you. Now think of the opposite of that. If you aren't obedient and you're not using your spiritual gift and you're not in a church, then you are not manifest, manifest, manifesting the Spirit. The Spirit is not appearing through you as you are obedient to the call of the Lord. That's just sinful, isn't it? So the fourth truth. Not only does the Holy Spirit give the gifts, not only does Jesus Christ open the door of service, not only does God the Father make these opportunities happen that have been planned before the foundation of the world. The fourth truth is this, all the gifts were given for the glory of God and the blessing of others. This manifestation, this appearing comes from God and His faithfulness to show Himself through you. We're just instruments of, of God. To be used by Him. And then notice this. This is just these la that last two words. I mean, it really, again, reminds the Corinthians. And it, it should remind us, what is this for? Is this for self-glorification? Is this for even self-edification? No, what does He say there? This is for the common good. The common good of what? The common good, the common blessing of all those in the church at Corinth. And all those in the church at Mount Juliet. This is for the common good. This is a blessing to the church. So therefore, no matter what the gift is, no matter what the ministry is, no matter what the effect, all spiritual gifts have come from the Holy Spirit. What? To make God known. To, to, for us to, to, to be a part of what He has laid out before the foundations of the world so that God could be understood and the evidence is in the church and as the church goes out, the evidence is shown to the world. There's a little church in Costa Rica that, that we will never forget and they will never forget us. Why? Because of the spiritual gifts that we used when we went down there and the spiritual gifts that they used to welcome us and to bless us and to be hospitable to us, the world sees it. And we will spiritually profit because we'll be rewarded one day of our faithfulness. But even on top of that, 
This is for the common good. This is for those in the church to receive the blessing that God has given to you, particularly and perfectly. And to withhold that is, is to hold back a gift that God intends every one of us to enjoy because of his salvation that he's given you and the sanctification that is running through your soul and ultimately your glorification one day. This is for the common good. Therefore, the two questions, just like you heard this morning, what is the gift, what is the spiritual gift that God has given to you? Can you tell me what it is? Do you know what it is? And then the second question, how are you using it for his glory and the blessing of others? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for teaching us, for showing us. This isn't hard. False teachers <clears throat> deceive us. Liars who are doing it for their own monetary gain throw together some type of meeting. It's not even, I can't even call it a church to get desperate people who are hurting and people that have illnesses and, and they give them false hope and they're promising things that they have no right to promise and no power to do anything about. And God, we know that to take advantage of one of your little ones is abhorrent to you and that punishment for that person is going to be so severe and great. And it's hard for us, Lord, to understand your, your mercy until we start thinking about our lives and we're so thankful for it. And yet, Lord, we, we know that you still heal. And Lord, we know that you still do miracles. It's just not through a pastor or a deacon or a church member. It comes straight from you to us, not through anybody other than our prayers and our trust. And so, Father, may we Live out this truth. If we don't know what our gift is, may we begin to seek others who have seen us in ministry. They'll help us to take an inventory type test. That'll kind of put us on the right, in the right direction. And then to test it and to see if, if this is what we really have. Can, can we really teach? Can we, can we be helpful? Can we be merciful? whatever we've been gifted with, to be faithful in small things so that we can grow and be and put in charge over much is your plan for your church. So, Father, the altar is always open. We, we never know if, if you've saved someone, that you're, you've regenerated them and you've dragged them to yourself tonight. There's enough of the gospel here. If, if somebody just feels the pull of God on their life and, and recognize that they're sinners in need of a Savior and the only way you can be saved is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and He will input His righteousness into you as your sin has been imputed to His spiritual account and He paid it in full for you. And that's beginning to make sense to you because God is illuminating and is regenerating your heart and your mind. Then you walk the aisle and let us know that you want to be saved tonight. And then we'll, we'll share with you what God's Word says. The rest of us, we're to either confess our sin or confess our righteousness. Confess our sin and repent of it and say, Lord, we, we haven't been using our spiritual gifts. God, give me the opportunity and God, put me in position 
help me to be obedient to be in this place to, to use them. And then for those of us that are trying to be faithful, we can f- confess that, Lord, and not take any credit for it. Again, be recognized that this has been gifted to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. There, there was no other reason except by your design and your desire that we have it, and we want to just thank you for it. So, Lord, may our response tonight bring glory to your name as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and quickly respond to the Lord?